0: You're listening to Rights and Brands podcast. I'm so happy to get this chance to introduce you to our debut author Petra Rautiainen. I'm her literary agent, Lena Kakko. Welcome Petra, and thank you for accepting my invitation to come and and talk to us. Thank you. This is actually the first time that we've gathered so many people in one, one room for more than something like two months since the the corona restrictions started. We're actually four people here all together today, including my colleagues in charge of the technical side. And I have to say it feels very, very good to be here with you face to face. Um, Of course, keeping the recommended distance. But at the same time, it, it also feels somehow like a really bold thing to do these days. You said, Petra, that you've been sort of happy, happily secluded in your, yes. your own apartment, yes, finishing your, your yeah. debut novel.
1: <coughs> this has been really happy times to me, actually. I've, I've, I've done writing in my home and that's it.
0: But let's get uh, back to your book. Um, so Petra will publish, you will publish your first novel. And we've decided to call it in English, The Land of Snow and Ashes. And the book will be published in August, the second week of August, by Ottawa Publishing Company. So as we speak, it's only the third week of May, um, about three months uh, before the the set publication date. And you are still going through the final finishing touches to the storyline and the text. So exciting time. Writing has been a a long journey for you, I'm I'm sure, but from our point of view, things are only starting to happen now. So I'm actually really thrilled to be able to offer our listeners a peek into your novel and your thoughts behind it at this very early stage. Um, Your novel, The Land of Snow and Ashes, takes place in northern Finland, in, in Lapland and the narration alters between two points in time and two different settings up north. We are taken to 1944, to a secret prison camp that's run by the Nazis during the Second World War in in Finnish territory. And then we are taken uh, to a later point in time, um, in the late 1940s, um, to the town of Enontekia in Lapland and you're describing how lapland is being rebuilt after the war then and in the end the plot brings these two storylines together in a really intriguing way Mm. i wanted to start with asking from you that about the story where did this particular story come from how did it come to you
1: uh well um People ask me this a lot, and well, when I first started started to write, I wanted to write a story of my granddad's. Uh, One of my granddad actually um, escaped police and moved to live in Lapland, and I was interested about what he did, why did he escape, how it felt to be like, you know, escaped and left everything behind. And then another, uh, another granddad, uh, he was in prison during the wartime. He wasn't in the camps or anything like that. But that's why I've always been interested about that kind of point of view about the Lapland, uh, well about the boor- war, because that's something we are not taught in school.
0: Yeah, and like like you describe it, that your grandfather left for for Lapland as a, like escaping the police, it sounds yeah. a bit yeah. like the Finnish Wild West or, or yes, something like that. Yes.
1: It. it was actually, a, he was in Kajaani and he was in a a bus station's toilet, and he escaped through the window wow. <laughs> of the toilet, <laughs> and that was the last uh, last uh, time he was seen. And everybody thought he was actually dead. He was actually announced dead in Finland. <laughs> so uh, it was really a. Uh, I I found him when I was twenty-five or something like that. So, uh,
0: so there is quite a family story behind yeah. the novel, although none of it's, this it's really yeah. features in the novel. It,
1: yeah, it's not it's not their story, but it's like inspired a lot. Yeah, I can I can
0: imagine. Um, if we go back to the book, your book begins when Ingeri, a Finnish woman, has driven from uh, south of south of the country all across w- Finland. Uh, which is more than a thousand kilometers by car, to the town of Enontekiö in Lapland. And Inkere is in her 40s, maybe late 40s. Yeah. Um, she's from Helsinki, but has actually previously lived in Africa for, for several years yeah. before the Second World War broke out. And Inkere is a journalist and an eager photographer. And she has actually bought a house in Enontekiö. And she's going to settle there in order to report on the reconstruction of Lapland for uh, for, um, a newspaper or a journal. And here we maybe should share with our foreign listeners uh, the fact that um, the German troops burnt down pretty much the whole of Lapland when we Finns, as their former allies, turned against them in 1944 to make peace with the Soviets, so there was a lot to rebuild in Lapland at that time in the late 1940s. Uh, We will talk a little bit more about historic facts uh, a bit later in the podcast. But um, about Inkeri, so her work as a reporter is the official reason why she settles in Lapland, but she actually has an agenda of her own that she keeps to herself. Can you tell us more about that side of, of Inkeri's story?
1: Yes, um, I, uh, Well, I actually like her a lot. She's a really strong, independent woman woman and, but kind and wa- wise. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, she has really so, uh, sad background. Uh, and she uh, was married to this girl a man who was actually lost in, during the war. And uh, Inkeri learns to know that that place, Enondekijö, was the last place Karl was seen during the war. And that was actually uh, that uh, he has been in the Nazi camp as a prisoner. And does Inkarin know
0: that or is she just suspecting that?
1: She knows that because um, Red Cross uh, kept a list about the prisoners. Of course, not all the camps sent them the correct uh, a list, yeah, name list, but uh, they uh, might have done that. And uh, she has seized an her husband name in that list so that's why she learns this but that's only things he knows and she's trying to find more information what happened to what happened to him.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about Carlo and Ingrid's marriage because it wasn't kind of a typical love story was it?
1: No it wasn't. Uh, they uh, Ingrid kind of wanted to have her freedom. She wanted to have, she loved art and uh, photograph and she found that that was the only way she could do that, to get married with someone who is uh, capable to offer her lifestyle that she can carry on her hobby.
0: Yeah, to be an independent woman yes. that she needed to find that kind of a man who would have the sort of the official side.
1: Yes, that's true. They were friends, really good friends at first, but they weren't like, they weren't in love. And that's something what, well, ingrid wasn't happy. Um, she was a bit mean to Carlo. Um, yeah.
0: And now she maybe regrets it. Yeah. Yes. You re- yeah. I think she feels it her responsibility to, to find out yeah. yes. what happened to him. Yes. Really. yeah. And Ingeri and Carlo lived a long time in in Africa and uh, like you describe her she's quite a quite a strong woman and her memories that you describe in the book of Africa brought kind of Karen Blixen vibes to me very strongly. Yeah, were you inspired by by Karen Blixen?
1: Uh, actually, yeah, she was uh, one of my inspiration. Yeah, uh, see, uh, Karen Blixen was really strong, and she kind of have the same kind of marriage agreement. Uh, but also, art is something what is. Uh, common with them mm.
0: yeah um so when when she arrives at um, uh she has bought the house from an elderly local man and actually still keeps renting one of the rooms upstairs to a previous tenant yeah. um, and this tenant is a young man his name is olavi Uh, quite a bit younger than Inkeri, and he has ended up in Enontekijä town after the war, but no one really knows where he's from, why he has stayed in the town. Um, Can you describe us how Inkeri and Olavi, who are fairly different personalities and who both have something very important and big to hide, how do they manage to live side by side?
1: It is hard at first, they don't get along. And uh, they are in really different places in their life and their backgrounds are really different. Um, Ingrid is also 20 years older than Olavi. So um, the age difference is also uh, something that makes that... uh, Well, that they don't get along so well at first. Uh, I wanted my Enantekia period to last several years. And one of the reasons was that I wanted that these two have time to develop their friendship. Uh, Well, they never quite get really, really close together. But in the end, they actually share something really important together and and that's like and somehow their destinies uh, come to come to together
0: yeah, there's a, there's a link between yes, the their destinies yes a link, the, and link yeah. between Carlos' destiny yes, yes well. and that's
1: the that's their both background stories is actually what happened to Carla
0: maybe we shouldn't give away more than that here, no. but let's let's leave that hint yes <laughs> So that's the, the end of the 1940s storyline. Um, the other narrator uh, is Väinö, a young Finnish man who, who during the war is sent to work as an interpreter at the war camp and the time is, is 1944. Um, this camp is run by the Germans and Finland was a German's ally or, or brother in arms or however you want to express it in the Second World War from 1941 onwards. But the official truth, at least the official truth I learned at school in Finland, has been that we didn't have Nazi camps during the Second World War and that we, for example, didn't give uh, many Jews to the Nazis from Finland. Um, But in your book, we hear a different kind of a story. Can you explain in more detail this revelation for us?
1: Yeah, mm, this is something we don't learn at schools. Uh, um, yeah, but in Finland, in actually Lapland, we did have at least 200 uh, Nazi camps. They were run by Nazis. And um, it's something what historians haven't researched a lot. Uh, Ola Seitsonen, uh has, has, has researched this in his PhD thesis, thesis in 2019 uh, 18 or 17 or something like that so a couple of years ago and that was like the first information about that we really t- did have this many camps 200 it's a lot of amounts. They did have Jews in those camps. There wa- weren't anything like Auschwitz, but uh, well, it was Nazis and it was really a racial uh, program so uh, yeah
0: there was racial segregation. yes, and, uh, racial programs behind yes the there were yeah sort of the aim of these camps yes. yes. And this is something that has only come out a couple of years ago, sort of.
1: Well, uh, yeah, of course, people know about, like people uh, in Lapland, like, of course they knew, th- I mean, that they did have those camps. But something, something that's not chosen to be told to us, us maybe in schools or like in common knowledge.
0: 1944 was a very um, important year or uh, a date for for Finland. Finland ne- negotiated a secret separate peace treaty behind the Germans back in 1944 uh, to get out of the war against the Soviet Union. Things had started to look very very bad at that point. And a part of that treaty was the demand that the Finnish troops needed to chase their former allies, the Germans, out of Finnish territory. So the Finns actually had to wage war to get the German troops to retreat to Norway via the northern route in 1944-1945. And as a result basically the, the whole of Lapland, like I just said in the beginning of the podcast, was burnt to, to ashes. The Finnish name of your novel is Tufkan uh, piirretty maa, which kind of translates the land drawn in ashes. And we are using the name, the land of, of snow and ashes here. Um, there's also a powerful central scene in your novel where the whole landscape is, is burning and only ash is falling from the sky. How did you come up with the name and this scene? And did you have other name options to choose from for your debut
1: novel I, I have to be honest I am um, my marketing team and my publisher, they came up with this name uh, this is a really beautiful name I uh, we had many names we were thinking about I wanted to have us in the name because I think it's really beautiful like like a word in finnish it's really beautiful and also it tells many things mm-hmm. uh, also i um i think Timo pukka ma on syntinen laulu is one of the beautiful the most beautiful noble names in finland that's, literature
0: that's a modern classic from the 1970s yes
1: so i wanted to have something something well something similar and uh i think the computerma is really close to what i wanted
0: um so we can't really talk too much about the plot of your novel here as it moves forward almost like a thriller at some points um especially towards the the revelations about the characters and their destinies in the end of the novel but we can talk about these other kinds of revelations you make in the storyline so it becomes Fairly soon, obvious to the reader that the racial projects uh, were conducted at these camps, and especially at the camp where Weiner works, or at least the racial projects that were conducted elsewhere were made possible by the the actions that are taken at these camps. How did you learn, like we already touched uh, the part that it's not really the official history that's taught at school and there's a very recent research only uh, about this subject. But can you tell us a bit more about your own personal background, how you learned about um, these things?
1: Um, Well, I I studied history in university and um, I'm doing my PhD. Uh, about um, media representasi- media representations of Sami people. <laughs> uh, so uh, well one of the um, in my studies, I, uh, well, I studied history, so I got uh, get a lot of knowledge about the subjects I wanted to have. Uh, when I was studying in my first year at the University of Ivascula, I remember this new book came out, it was called Ruma Sota, The Ugly War. And it was, it is still one of my favorite books ever. It's. Uh, it tells about the ugly side of war, what hasn't been told. It was, it tells about using trucks, um, about these camps, actually. No, not, uh, not that like wide, but still that came close to this subject. So um yeah I tried to get knowledge about these kind of things in my studies.
0: So the war was indeed ugly uh at the time and yes. there were a lot of racial issues um tied to the politics of the war and uh, the politics in, in Finland in the early 20th century. Um there was even a, a sort of a, they tried to produce or build the right or the perfect Finnish people. Yes. So, in, in a way, there were um, schemes and, and programmes to purify the Finnish race, is that...? Something? Yeah,
1: that's, that's true. It was, and um, that's something that really interests me, That how we have this racial programme going on all the way 20th century and um, it didn't actually end in the war time either
0: and this is one of the maybe the most shocking revelations of of your novel um, to me that actually these racial projects or however you want to call them were continued in finland after the war in an era where the nazi experiments had already been exposed yeah. at least to to some extent And these kind of projects continued with the Sami people. Um, You already mentioned the Sami people um, recently. So just to make sure that everyone knows who we're talking about, the Sami are the indigenous people in Lapland. And they live in in areas that nowadays belong to northern Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia. And they have several different Sami languages that are spoken. one really important character in your novel is a young Sami girl. Her name is Brikka Maria. I'm not sure if I pronounced it wrong. Maria. Sorry, I pronounced it wrong. Um, she attends a boarding school in Enantekia town, quite far from her own family. And this boarding school has a strong agenda to make the Sami kids behave like Finns and, and speak Finnish. I, and as we've heard, you've done really meticulous background research. So this uh, boarding school must also be ba- based on on facts. Yeah, it
1: is based on facts, and that's something something what hasn't been uh, talked a lot in Finnish history or Sami history. It it after the Second World War, the time was really traumatic to many Sami people. It's it was really a uh, colonialized time. Uh, these boarding schools were, uh, were a really horrible, horrible place to some of the Sámi kids. They, uh, wealth, some of the Sámi kids felt that it took away all their identity. They didn't anymore know Sámi language, they had to speak Finnish. Because they lived in these boarding schools, they weren't in touch with the uh, culture their mom or granddad and they had, and they didn't belong, didn't feel to belong to anything. They were weren't Finnish, but they weren't any more Sami. And uh, some of the Sami people has told that they became to be ashamed of being Sami. Because how Finnish treated them. And they actually did have in the end of nineteen sixty they in Finland they made racial program research to to Sami people in schools they say uh, very late. It is really late and it was the only <laughs> if it was in not in, not in Norway, not in uh, Sweden. They didn't do anything like that. In Finland, they did. They and it was based on race. I think. they wanted to know what kind of race is background of that. They took photographs of them. They they measured the yeah. everything. And it's like it it has been traumatic. It's really traumatic to many Some Have you
0: interviewed a lot of people or are inspired by people that you've met? Um, Are there real people behind these characters or are their destinies sort of pure fiction that has been inspired by your talks with with the Sami people and other people that you've met and have sort of lived through this um,
1: era? It is a mixture. Uh, None of my uh, characters they're not like real people, even though they are inspired by some of the people. For example, Ingeri is inspired by uh, this photographer Maria Waterlinen. She moved to Lapland uh, from Helsinki to uh, photograph, wanting to do the art of photograph, but also made journalist um, journalist work to several newspaper and. Um, that's how, uh, you know, the, how the Sami people lived and how the yeah everything was there. So she is based on some of the real uh, characters a, a small of her. And what comes to the Sami people, I've travelled in Lapland all of my life, and I was one year old, and I ca- I ha- I know some of the Sámi people I've learned their history and I became too interested that why the history isn't taught to us in schools uh, and how this is like um, when I was a child I've heard about this boarding school situations and I thought this was real horrible Like.
0: The subject of cultural appropriation has been sort of the the big topic um, lately, even regards to fiction, where uh, the author's creativity um, shouldn't maybe be so limited, if if you ask my opinion. But um, of course, it's it's a, a very touchy subject, and and you need to be careful with it. Um, However, you still know inside out, out what you write about and you have been meticulous with getting everything checked and, and read and and getting opinions. Um, and I've just heard that you got a uh, very good feedback from a, an important Sami um, politician uh, about representing their people in, the, in a way that she would agree. Yes,
1: yes, this has been really, um a uh, big question to me and something what has worried me a lot, I am uh, not a Sami and I am a white Finnish f- uh, female who is writing about Aboriginal people as my point of view. So I have to be, I have to be knowledged by that. I have to be careful that I don't like, I don't. Right, like wrong kind of information, like something what is offensive. So uh, I found it really important. That I uh, read it. I uh, give it read to some of the people who knows these things. And yeah, I've yeah I've done some reading. You've you uh, given it to gi- to, gi- yes, to I people give it to, to read yeah. uh,
0: and and hear what they think. And, yeah. And You've only heard positive. Yeah,
1: it's just yeah. It's today, today, actually, I heard um, uh, one of the Sami people I gave my book to read. So he gave me really good, positive, positive uh, feedback.
0: And also, I think maybe one point that's important when we think about cultural appro- appropriation is that the two narrators that you use—they they're not Sami. They are. Yeah. They, they yeah. are like the white yes things. so you look
1: through their eyes. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I that was how I choose. I did. It. I did think maybe I could bring, for example, Pica Maria as more of the main character, but then I didn't do that, and I think that. Was the right decision to do because I am telling about the story of these white Finnish people who go there and they learn to know about these uh, racial things. They came across that, yeah.
0: Something else that's really extraordinary in your novel is the lapish scenery, how beautifully you express it in your writing. The, the hills, the wilderness, the very special light in summer when the sun doesn't set at all. And then on the contrary, the really deep blue darkness where there's still a kind of a hint of light in, in winter when the sun doesn't rise for months. Um, like you said, you've had a lot of first-hand experience about the nature in Lapland. But have you been writing the book in Lapland? Have you had a chance to travel there to write it, or is it based on your previous trips?
1: No, I actually—it is also based by uh, previous trips. But I actually did write my book in Enontekiö and in Inari. I spe- for example, I spent three months in Enontekiö and uh yeah I, it's it's uh
0: was it's that in summer or in winter in winter well?
1: time, actually, mostly I love winter, <laughs> so Lapland is really really tough place to go
0: yeah and but you've been hiking there in in summer
1: yes, I've been hiking there in summer times and in august times so.
0: So it's about three months before your book yes. will be out. <laughs> um, what do you expect from the response, and what is the message you would like your readers to leave the story with? Do you see how do you see it? It speaks to, to audiences outside of Finland, possibly.
1: So, um, I actually I used to be a bit scared to be honest. This is a really heavy topic to write, and one of the reasons was that I wanted to write it. I wanted the facts to be true. Even I am historian, I've done a lot of research, I know I, I can do that. It's still over, always a bit scary. And because of the cultural appropriation, it's also a bit scary topic, but, but right now I actually be really happy and looking forward to it. Uh, I feel and people who read my book has wealth that uh, this is a really important topic and I stand behind my book and I think there are many topics I want people to, to talk about, Sitsami people the Nazi camps, the racial uh, program we had in Finland.
0: And then those are also subjects that are interesting and, and current for outside the borders yes. of Finland as well. Yeah, that is
1: really, yeah. And also the beautiful landscape of Finnish lapland And that's like, uh, that's, yeah, it's it must be really exotic to uh, many of the foreign readers. Yeah.
0: And here in the podcast, we talked a lot about that sort of the heavy subjects behind the, your story yeah. or that give the landscape of the story. But actually the way the story itself goes, how the plot runs forward, it is a very catchy read. It's it's sort of the the heaviness of these subjects is not... Present in in the text or in the reading experience. It it, it like I said earlier. It, it works a little bit like a thriller yeah. almost because there are um, enigmas and and secrets and uh, revelations and yes yeah a, a, a lot of things to get hooked.
1: Yeah, actually, do you think it is uh, like how to put it? like easy book to read, not easy, uh, the topic is really heavy, but it's, it's blood uh, I mean, plot plot driven, yeah. yes, it's definitely S- plot. Yeah, so that makes it easy. And, um, um, yeah.
0: So we've talked a little bit about your plans for the second novel that you will start writing after, after this one. Could you tell us just shortly a little about what the story ne- what, the, what the next story will be like
1: yeah i i actually have write about write about it al- already so it's um so my next novel is about um the history of climate change climate
0: change yeah. yeah yes
1: and um uh i'm focusing how the first sea ecologi- ec-
0: ecologist? Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, sea ecologist yes yeah, yeah. ecologist started to find um, the first hints about this kind of uh, climate changing and how nobody believed them at first and they had to do this secret um, investigation. Um, Sounds very exciting, isn't it? Yeah <laughs> it is and I also do have um, a minority there too. This is based to North Norway. They are Kven people there who are Finnish who move to North Norway, but they don't feel any more Finns, but they don't feel any feel to be Norwegian either. So, uh, yeah, Arctic area again. Yes, Arctic area.
0: Very interesting. Well, thank you, Petra, for your first of all for your exceptionally strong debut novel, the its story and the revelation, which will stay in the reader's mind for a long time and for the exciting plot and its twists and turns and and your important themes that we've touched today. I have to say it is a truly amazing and also exciting read, uh, conveying, among other things, the cruelty of history and the Sami people's voice to us. And thank you for coming today and for sharing your thoughts with us. Um, Very good to be here in person with you.
1: Thank you. I feel the same way. And
0: thank you for our listeners. As well.
1: Yes. Thanks.